Hi guys and welcome to season two, episode ten of the weekly freestyle, the last episode in this season. And I'm very excited to announce that we do have a guest for this final episode, which is really, really uh, exciting and a great way to round off the season. Obviously, I'm Tom Dean. I've got my co-host Alex Sutton, and uh, he's a good pal of yours, isn't he, Alex? Yeah, so excited to have Toby on. Um, we, we've, we've obviously already recorded it, and um, I think it's a great episode. It's something a little bit different to what we've done before, but as you'll hear, the, the challenge that he undertook was was mega. Um, not really comparable to much that myself or I think you've done yet in our careers. So yeah, it was it was such a great chat. But yeah, we're coming to the end of season two, aren't we? We're, we're nearly done. Yeah, crazy, crazy. That, that'll be 20 episodes under our belt. 20 eps down. You know, going all the way back to around the Commonwealth Games times when we started but it's been exciting I think we just learn each more each season and we've got some big plans for season three big the big one being some improvements in in quality and yeah. a lot more guests on the way yeah and I think season three I mean, I've, I even think maybe you should name the seasons rather than just having a number actually give them a title because mm. you've obviously mm. got some exciting stuff coming up so it's going to be great to document that and I love it when the pod goes abroad as well whether it's us both or if it's just you or me or whatever so that's that's so exciting yeah. but yeah we had a I want to shout out a few listeners as well um i saw uh what uh someone who listens to the show uh on saturday morning at park run um shout out to james um he was actually a little bit annoyed because it was the one weekend he hadn't brought his buggy down so he was hoping <laughs> to, to maybe take the win but unfortunately i didn't allow that um but shout out to james can't be that. having that absolutely can't be not having that um pretty horrible conditions down there um but also chris as well on instagram um he actually listens from australia um and he listens on every wednesday evening driving home from work um and he loves how honest you are about your elite life mate so um we better keep the honesty up that's great stuff cheers cheers chris cheers for tuning in all the way from the other side of the world and he's keeping us a country next week yeah well i'll get something sorted absolutely no i'm out that way next week aren't i'm over in melbourne so uh yeah, no, appreciate that. Appreciate he wants some, he wants some weekly freestyle merch. So um, we'll see what we can do about that. Um, and then finally, I was just going to jump back. And this is a, maybe a little bit of a contentious topic for us because jumping back to Steve's email, um, Steve from Pool Boy, uh, he was dropping a few ideas for our World Cup squad. Um, just whipping through there, thinking for his wingers, a pair of zippy wide players who can work in tight spaces. So he's banking on the SCY, what does that mean? Short course SCY. Uh, short, short course yards, yards, expertise of Anna Hopkin and short mm. short course skills of Abby Wood. What do you think? Interesting, interesting. Yeah, no, both both great uh, short course uh, swimmers. Obviously, Anna did a number of years out in America um, swimming out there, so she'll have a lot of short course yards under experience under her belt. And, and Abby's a great short course meter swimmer, as we saw from her ISL results last year. So great choices, great choices. But yeah, all I've got to say is it's interesting that there are, you know, that we're all we're all in the game together. But a few other podcasts have been thinking of quite a similar idea to one that we've had, and they've also been put the world World Cup squads out. How do you feel about it's that? Very, very, very interesting, actually. You know, the, the weekly freestyle, obviously <laughs> trendsetters and uh, breaking the boundaries in the podcast space. I like to think, and it's Every clearly week. been picked up by other podcasts. Every week, Wednesday, six pm. And it's clearly been picked up by a load of other channels who have started dropping World World Cup swimming questions and topics. So, swim swam, swim swam news. I don't want to call you out quickly, but big, your face, big your face got in, dropped, bro. It did. It did. A big name in the swimming space, uh, and um, 
a bit of credit would be nice next time <laughs> no no don't, we don't need credit we just yeah want them to shout <laughs> us out that would be but it's funny because people take our idea and then execute it more cleanly <laughs> like we have a crack idea and then do a better job than we yeah. have and then I'm just sitting there with tears rolling down my face and watching these Instagram stories. Like, Why the violation is they, they they did the World Cup thing, stole our idea, and then used a photo of me <laughs> in the promotion of it. The absolute peak of that. Outrageous. Which well, some news we want answers. Yeah, we we do. We want a few, and we want our name shouted out on your podcast. But anyways, Please. let's let's jump into the episode with Toby. Um, enjoy it. Uh, we hope you enjoy season two as well, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll have a week off, but we'll be back very soon. And you're you're off to Rotterdam, aren't you? Yeah, I'm off to Rotterdam tomorrow morning. A uh, bit of an early one, 4.45 a.m. leave uh, for an early flight from Bristol. And we start racing on Thursday, racing Thursday, Friday, back on Saturday night, uh, Bath, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then off to Australia on Wednesday. So big up. Love that. Can't wait for a bit more content and maybe we'll get some... Uh some mid-meat reaction out on our Instagram channel. Who knows? I'm sure we can, mate. I'm sure we can. It's been a pleasure. Thanks Sweet. for tuning in to season two, guys. Have fun. Enjoy. We've brought you a guest here this week. And uh, I think, Alex, I'll leave it to you <clears throat> for the introduction. A friend of yours and a fellow uh, a schoolmate. Am I right? Yeah, we've got um, Toby Johnson on the pod. Welcome, Toby. Um, I'll give you a, a brief introduction. Um, Toby's 23 years old and as you say I know him uh, from John Hampton back in the school days uh, he's a Leeds Uni graduate his geography and uh, he actually did a year abroad in New Mexico um, also really pleased to say that you're part of a very successful Swan six aside division three winning side um, which is obviously a big a, a big accolade and uh, finally you're a keen keen fan of musical theatre would I be right in saying that yeah absolutely um yeah thanks for the intro absolutely love that um yeah thanks for having me on the podcast i was listening to you guys pretty much every week whilst mm. i was on my travels and uh love a bit of musical theater here and there as well so yeah absolutely love that what's what's your favorite musical theater to go for oh that's too many too many options there um love the hamilton bit of les miserables you name it mate i'm i'm all over that Bigger. We thought you were you were Hamilton, a big Hamilton fan. Um, but yeah, one of the key reasons we've got you on today, though, is one of your recent achievements, which is, we were discussing it beforehand, which is absolutely incredible. Like, it's a serious, serious feat. Um, and just in terms of giving it a bit of an intro, you've completed the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, and this, yeah, that's this the is the crown jewel of West Coast hikes. I'm laughing at that because I've found that <laughs> off and it's, that's how it's been written. Um, and am I right in saying it's yeah. over 2,500 miles long from Mexico, Mexico to Canada? So basically it's the length of the United States of America. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's about 2,650 miles long, uh, connects the Mexican border with the Canadian border. And I think the, the crown reference that you got there, it's um, one of three big long distance hikes in the US, which if you do all three, they call it the triple crown of hiking. Uh, so okay. one's on the East Coast, one's down the center of the US and one's on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I did the West Coast hike, uh, the Pacific Crest Trail. It was a lot of fun, pretty amazing adventure. That's that's really, really exciting. Is there, is there a plan to do... Um... The other two is there a plan to get the big triple crown um maybe someday mm. uh, i would i would love to do all three 
Um, But now I'm quite enjoying just taking it easy. I was having just finished this one about a month ago now. Um, But definitely some point in the future, I'd love to do another hike, whether that would be in the US or maybe in a different country. I'm still Mm -hmm. deciding. I think there's a lot of shorter hikes that may be more feasible (laughs) to do in the future. Because spending five months walking every day is, yeah, not the easiest thing to do whilst living a regular life and, yeah, getting a job, um, that kind of thing. So it was, it was like an excellent thing to do post-uni um, whilst I was able to do that. But yeah, who knows, in the future, if I was able to go back and do another one of those three hikes, then, yeah, I'd never say never, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's that's incredible. I mean... What a feat. And, and we spoke earlier about your, obviously how you know Alex and then heading up to Leeds to study. Um, Leeds all the way over to Mexico to Canada, you know, that's such a change of scene. What was it actually that, that made you want to take this challenge on? You know, what was it that, that really inspired you? Obviously you're a geography student. Uh, I imagine that that played a role in it. Is it something you've always wanted to do? Mm-hmm. You know, what was the real driving force behind it? Yeah. Um, well, since, since I was at school with Alex, I'd always wanted to do like a year studying abroad like within university that was like one of my main goals there and uh yeah after going to Leeds um for my third year I went to live in Albuquerque in New Mexico at the University of New Mexico for a year um and about halfway through that year is when COVID hit Mm -hmm. so I basically was no longer able to like go out and out and about in the city itself and I got really into like hiking going out in the mountains in New Mexico um in the desert and that was like a big thing there and I really just got into that um so returning home from that I'd always like almost found this new like hobby uh just something that I really enjoyed and just discovered the PCT literally while scrolling through Instagram um reading on like National Geographic uh, and then, yeah, just came, found the idea and just kind of became obsessed by it whilst finishing up my studies in Leeds um, and just slowly put the pieces together and planned it out for about a year um, before, yeah, taking the leap to go out and hike it. That's, that's awesome. And we, we interviewed um, a close friend of ours, George Taplin, on the podcast a few weeks ago. And similar to yourself, he set himself a challenge. He wanted to swim all the lakes in the Lake District. And wanted to break the world record of yeah. doing it and I think it sounded quite similar you know he had a passion for it he started doing some research and he really kind of got hooked on the idea but it's one thing to have the idea and just mm-hmm. to say well I want to go and do this it's very very different like you said it took a year of planning to really put the logistics together could you just kind of paint a picture of what that planning process was what was the most difficult part and logistically what took the most amount of time in in the lead up to the actual walk yeah um it's a good question I think a lot of it for me as someone who didn't have that much experience in hiking for like such a long time, the most important thing was getting all of the right kits together before starting it. Um, so that was probably the bulk of my research was deciding exactly what tent I needed, what sleeping mm. bag, like even down to like the socks I was wearing were like incredibly important because when you're walking for 10 hours a day, you need like the best yeah. socks possible and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, getting all the right equipment was like the bulk of the planning and then yeah it really was once I sort of had all the right kit it was just a case of getting out there and just learning on the job as much as possible learning from the other people I was hiking with um and just yeah pushing myself every day 
to keep going and making it to the other end. So, so take us to the basics, Toby. So like take us down to the trail itself. Now I know having a discussion with you before, it's actually quite a, like it's quite a protected place, isn't it? Like people have to, there are only certain numbers of people that can, that can jump on it. Is, is that right? Yeah. I mean, so that's the case if you want to hike like the whole thing. Um, so yeah, anyone can do it if you're just doing like a small section, like you're going out there for a weekend or something like that. But they do put like a, a quota. So you have to get a permit to, if you want to hike the whole thing. Um, so that's 50 people per day can start between the start of March and the end of May. Um, okay. is, so Is there a reason yeah, they, they restrict it? I think it's more just to keep it as wild as possible. Mm. Um, and just like, that's basically the main thing. I, it was something that I noticed like immediately, I think it took about a hundred miles of walking for me to find like my first piece of litter on the trail. Wow. Um, which is crazy. Like if you walked a hundred miles in the UK, like I'm mm. sure it would take you a, a lot less than that. Um, so yeah, I think it's just to keep it as wild as possible, not to like destroy the land and, yeah i think it's a bit of a controversial topic i think some people like for me as well actually i missed out on the first like lottery to get my permit and then mm -hmm. got in on the second round so it's like a very almost competitive just to get to yeah. the start line it's very difficult it's a bit like the london marathon in that regards and, and looking at the basics so obviously if you're doing a challenge like this for about five months or so how does it work in terms of fuel, fueling yourself, mm -hmm. getting water? Because I guess you're in the middle of nowhere for, for days on end and even things to do with like your communication yeah. and, and do you have your phone with you? Yeah, yeah. So I had my phone with me, um, although for large sections, you actually don't have service, um, which is definitely was like a, quite a big shock to the system um, for sure. Um, and food... Yeah, in terms of food, you go through a town every four days or so on average. Um, and as for collecting water, it is like the bare basics. Like you drink from streams. Wow. Um, sometimes the water isn't even flowing. It's particularly in the desert at the start. It's like incredibly difficult. I think one of the hardest parts of the whole thing is the water situation mm -hmm. in the desert. Um, it's, yeah, so I've never experienced anything like that. There's not days on end. I think there's often like 20 mile water carriers, uh, for example. So that would be like, yeah, that's obviously incredibly difficult. And it means you have to do do a lot. So like, for example, on day one, there's a stream flowing at mile four. And then mm -hmm. there's the next stream is at mile 19, I think it is. So the morning of day one, you sort of collect a few liters of water uh and for me in that case was not enough like i mm. literally ran out of water on the very first evening and <laughs> couldn't even cook myself dinner because i was so <laughs> dehydrated <laughs> after one day of walking um so that was a big learning curve right from the start um and it's, it's very simple though you just filter the water so i have um there's like various different ones you can buy but it's just very small uh like plastic attachment you screw onto the lid of a plastic water bottle yeah. And you just like squeeze, um, mm. squeeze the water through the filter. And yeah, so that part, it's, it can be kind of tedious actually having to do that like months on end if you just want to drink of water. But yeah. it gets increasingly easy. Um, the further north you go, the more availability to water there is. Mm -hmm. um, but the desert, yeah, is particularly hard for that, for sure. That's really interesting. We've spoken a bit in the past on the podcast, obviously <clears throat> myself as a swimmer and 
we've have had other athletes on as guests and we've spoken a lot about nutrition you know in in my high intensity days i'm getting like six and a half thousand calories of food in for my training and that's in the pool in the gym but that must be completely different for you with you know a long prolonged period of exercise every single day for for months on end you know what was your calorie intake like what would like a normal dinner look like is it something you struggled with i mean i'm sure your body went through a lot of changes over that time just physiologically because of the uh, the the output and the input for for the calories yeah i mean food was probably one of the hardest things about the whole trail um particularly at the start i mean going from like a normal life living in buckinghamshire to then mm. throwing yourself into the desert in the middle of nowhere um alone is is crazy but when you don't have an oven a fridge a microwave like anywhere to store food so you're immediately limited by what you can actually eat so for me it's it was most of my meals um would be a lot of like rice and tuna packets um nice. ramen noodles things like that they're just like as high calorie and like high salt as well because you're effectively sweating for like 10 hours a day so you have to eat an incredible amount of salt uh, just to like replenish that but then there's also like you obviously have to stay hydrated so you're taking like electrolyte supplements with your water um and yeah i think it really took me at least the first month to really understand how to eat properly and how to because eating i'm sure you must have struggled with this as well tom like eating mm -hmm. over 4,000 calories in a single day like it's a lot of food yeah um and just like realizing i have to eat that much to yeah be able to do something like this is a huge challenge in itself at the start i definitely lost like a significant amount of weight because i just wasn't eating enough um but as i went on you kind of learn just to increase portion size as much as possible yeah. um even though yeah what i was eating was definitely not healthiest uh i would say that because yeah because you're basically limited to whatever you're you can carry on your back for a few days so you're not carrying like i don't know heavy like fruits and veg really it's just whatever has the most calories what's the snack of choice for yeah. you then toby snack of choice uh for sure if i'm treating myself it'd be like a snickers nice. i love like just chocolate bars or like some m ms any like chocolate basically <laughs> um yeah i definitely ate way too much of that but equally it was fine just exercising all day every day so i was it was, it was all good that's the dream and toby i read that with with this particular challenge there's actually such a low percentage of people that complete it um how did you approach the challenge mentally knowing that it is so tough and also now's a probably good time to push on to like the most challenging part of the five months in terms of there was a particular time or something that you struggled with I guess throughout yeah it was weird I think I was probably slightly overconfident when I started um I always like really backed myself whenever mm, yeah like I was reminded by my siblings in particular that, but that uh not everyone actually does finish this challenge um because isn't, it, it, isn't it down very, at 25 percent yeah it's really hard to actually measure though so no one really knows how many people um complete it but I guess someone, as someone who has now completed the challenge, is so you go through the desert section, and some people kind of just quit very early on, um, and then you go into the Sierra Nevada, which is like the high, the high mountainous range, which is like one of the most like beautiful places I've ever seen. It was so cool, 
but then straight after that you get into the north of california and there's a lot of like burn areas so places that have been like totally destroyed for like a hundred miles straight during the wildfires um the last few years and it's really in this section that i not started to notice like people drop off like the numbers dropped significantly um the further you got through california so i i could like yeah definitely identify like the trail gets a lot quieter um the further you go yeah in terms of like whether 20 percent, 25 percent, i'm not actually sure how many people do the whole thing but there is definitely quite a drop off the further you go throughout california um and then as for i guess the hardest part um it's it's really it's hard to tell because i think the challenges of the trail they sort of change throughout so at the start you're in the desert so you're dealing with like long water carries um rattlesnakes for example things like that which are obviously scary and Gee. very difficult but then straight after you go into this sort of high mountainous region so you're dealing with um stopping like altitude sickness and then the bears arrive so that's <laughs> a whole new set of challenges um i i think the very the very very start for me was so difficult because yeah i think as i said i was maybe slightly overconfident and when i got to the start line i was really like i have no idea what i'm doing here this mm -hmm. is actually i'm a bit out of my depth um but you just have to like power through learn from everyone around you um there's like such uh, an amazing group of people that like i met doing this hike um, people from all over the world come and do this uh, which is really cool but yeah, yeah those first few weeks when you're making the biggest i guess like physical transformation like i was like losing a, like unhealthy amount of weight um and just like trying to power through constantly dehydrated uh so those first few weeks are really difficult but it does get easier i guess the further you go nice and did you you mentioned yeah. the the wildlife did you come face to face with any seriously deadly creatures were you having a, a little boxing match with a bear or anything mm. like that <laughs> uh well i actually didn't have any boxing matches but i did come face to face uh with a bear i think Ooh. i saw five in total um but four of them were like very far away uh and there was one that was like literally walking along the trail towards me which was uh quite power. terrifying just because <laughs> again <laughs> i didn't need to honestly um i literally the bear was wasn't even looking at me it was just walking towards me like sniffing around and then i literally said hi <laughs> oh my God. as, as one does when they see a bear <laughs> um so yeah I, I just introduced myself to the bear and then it literally just like bolted the opposite direction so yeah. obviously made me feel very strong at that time <laughs> yeah no boxing match may, maybe it was the beard no mate. boxing match needed yeah it's probably the beard or the smell <laughs> one of the two oh that's that's um, that's really that's really funny. Yeah. you mentioned um obviously you know we speak about loads of people come and try and do it not many people make it you know i imagine you might have walked with a few people or just met all sorts of characters you know you're walking basically across the continent is there anyone that really stands out to you someone that you met you know a group of people or someone with 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 a really interesting story themselves i bet you, you you must come across all sorts you know doing that for five months yeah um honestly the the list of like interesting people is kind of endless yeah. uh, i mean literally from the first day i think i hiked 15 miles on day one and then there was 11 of us that camped together on the very first day 
um again like just thinking back on those people so there was me obviously from the uk then there was like people from germany france japan czech republic other americans like just within this first 11 people uh that i'd met on the first day which is like crazy to think about like people i'd never met before in my life and come from all over the world and now we're just like sat in the desert camping together just in general the mix of people out there is so cool like super friendly everyone's like motivating each other throughout um which is huge for me because i think if i was actually like people say you know to go out there by yourself and do that it's totally insane mm. i kind of agree because if i wasn't with these other people all day every day i would have literally lost my mind um so yeah just constantly meeting amazing characters um yeah it's it's been very cool like you meet so many amazing people out there and in terms of the communication um you said there, there are moments where you have no service and for most of us in sort of the modern world not it's even for your phone to run out of battery for five minutes is a huge thing but how did you deal a with having no service was there any other equipment you were using and mm-hmm. you know were there periods where you were sort of out by yourself to start or you felt maybe isolated or did that never cross your mind well so I always had like a a battery pack, like a power bank, whatever you call it, um, with me to like recharge my phone. So my phone would never really die, um, which is good. And also I had a device called a Garmin inReach. So that basically if I ever got into like serious trouble and I had no service and it was like a satellite phone and like a way of contacting the outside world, I guess, uh, if I was ever in like an emergency situation, so I did have that as backup, but I didn't really use it at all. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's obviously just a weird transition because I'm also just like on my phone a lot in the regular world. Um, it's quite, it quite nice at the same time because just to, yeah, not be on your phone. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's also very stressful at times. Um, <laughs> as you can imagine, like not having services can be quite annoying. But yeah, I had like this backup you know, if I was ever in like a dangerous situation, then I could like get help. Then you'd be fine. Yeah, it sounds like it's a, yeah. a version of my watch, but probably about a million times more powerful <laughs> and helpful. My, I don't know about what your Garmin could do, but mine can actually play music <laughs> while I listen, <laughs> while, while I run. Oh, nice. So yeah, pretty, pretty snazzy. Maybe um, I'll be able to survive on the trail. Like a... <laughs> yeah, you should, you should check it out. I mean, <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> Um, um and yeah. i was just the other thing as well with, with it being in nature you mentioned to me <laughs> previously that you actually couldn't complete the full tr- uh, trail due to wildfires tell us a bit about that so you actually had to go mm. back like months later to actually complete the the full trail yeah exactly um so i managed to do the first 1500 miles as like a continuous walk uh but yeah when once we got it was actually the day after i crossed the midway point Uh, when i got into town the following day we yeah heard the news that there were these fires raging uh in the far northern point of california and into the start of oregon Uh, and there was basically no way that we could possibly go through it yeah um so yeah we literally had to for the first time in months uh get in the car and drive for a couple hours north instead of walking uh, which is a very like gutting thing to have to do at that point 
yeah it was <laughs> i guess it was kind of nice in a way like <laughs> actually traveling quite quickly for once rest the legs um yeah. but it, it was yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um but yeah so we had to skip um skip ahead into oregon and there was actually another fire closure in oregon which we they managed to find like a route around it though mm-hmm. but that involved walking for 50 miles just on dirt roads yeah, around weird. a fire which is like the most depressing thing ever yeah <laughs> like, yeah there was some amazing views and stuff like that at points along the trail but this was like just nothing like just walking <laughs> on a dirt road for a few days um just trying to not be burnt alive um anyway eventually i came back at the end after i reached the canadian border i, I decided i wanted to go back and finish um mm. the middle point because it just i don't know i was thinking like I, I had enough time within my visa to go back and do it was the first thing mm-hmm. um and also just like to connect these two incredibly long walks that i'd done essentially at this point and to make like yeah. one continuous thing was I don't know, just something I thought I had to do whilst I had time and then ended up actually leaving the country two hours before my visa was due to expire. Oh, so that was me. pretty, got out pretty jammy, I guess. Kind of fine. Well, that's, that's, well, that's, that's the yeah. thing, you know, and we, you obviously went back and you finished it. So you're one of the few that has completed the Pacific Crest Trail. And, you know, when you, when you work for something, um, you know, obviously we get it in the sporting world and you, you train for a while and, and, and you, you have this one goal in mind and you finally achieve it. It can almost be a bit of a, a mix of emotions. And obviously you were racing to catch a plane. Um, but, you know, how, how did it feel? You know, that final sense of completion. You turn around and you, you, you basically cross that finish line. You know, it must have been a bit of a mix of emotions, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it was obviously like huge, like a massive weight off my shoulders in many ways to like have actually done something that I've been preparing for for a long time. And yeah, I've been out there for like months on end and was just physically exhausted, mentally drained, like all of that. Um, so yeah, it was like a huge sense of achievement. Like I've, yeah, it felt like incredible to get it done. But equally, you know, all these people I'd met from all over the world, we were all just gonna finish and go back to our our lives in different countries and it was yeah, definitely a mix of emotions like it was very very sad like to leave that lifestyle behind as well just like living in the woods um it was i don't know a very very cool lifestyle for me at least i know like basically everyone i speak to says like oh well done that's really cool but i would never want to do that so i think it's yeah it definitely takes a unique type of person to attempt something like this but yeah, it was it was like a, a huge sense of achievement, but also sad to leave it behind as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, we love unique people in the call room, don't Absolutely. we, Tom? Absolutely. No, no, that's that's incredible. No, that is a real real sense of achievement. <laughs> and um, I think you know just because we are kind of coming slightly more towards the end, and one thing we really wanted to chat to, obviously, we chatted a little bit about um some of your future plans and maybe you know getting the triple crown in 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 the future. That would that would be obviously an incredible achievement. You you join a select few people who have, who have gone on to do that. But one thing we always like to do kind of at the end of end of our uh, interviews is chat a little bit about the call room. And that's basically people, guests we've had on in the past, people have listened to all the podcasts. And we just like to ask them, <clears throat> you know, everyone we've had on and uh, as our guests have achieved incredible things, you know, we've had Olympic champions on, we've had world record holders on and, uh, and obviously yourself who've gone on to do such a such a difficult challenge and something that has like obviously what we said such a low completion rate so 
what we want to ask you is first off what piece of music were you listening to what really got you through it and, and what would you uh, really be your go-to uh, apart from the weekly freestyle of course and and secondly just what piece of advice would would you give to um you know yourself starting challenge again anyone about to go and do it or you know anyone about to to face a massive challenge that they've been planning and uh, and this big momentous task in their life what would you say to them firstly in terms of the advice i would give is to I think a lot of people I met uh, on the PCT would often like fear monger and scare, try and scare people away from uh, doing certain sections of the trail. Like they might say, oh, the weather's not looking too good today or something like that and try to like, dissuade, dissuade you away from it. Um, but I would definitely say to like trust your own instincts, make your own decisions as much as possible. You know, if you think you can do something I don't know. I would just say just trust yourself and don't let other people tell you that you're not able to do something. Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess the piece of music. Bit of Hamilton. Um, it's a tough one. I mean, Alex already, I was going to say, Alex touched on it already. I do love my musical, my musical theatre. I'm not joking about always, that. Thing. That's why I put it in. Incredible soundtrack. <laughs> no, I know, exactly. I feel like it brings us around nicely so yeah, yeah i would say download the hamilton soundtrack if you haven't already it's a excellent show Definitely it is recommend that it is brilliant i did see it a few months ago for the first time honestly would highly recommend and i'm not a musical guy but that was really really good sounds um, like i need to go absolutely yeah and yeah, Toby, so good. we just want to say thank you so much for coming on the weekly freestyle um i know you're a little bit worried about the fact that you know what you haven't done isn't swimming related but i think one thing that we want to do is you know what you've achieved is is incredible it's a five month um process and also the planning that's gone into it and bear in mind the the outdoor conditions um and the i guess the variable factors you've had to deal with which i think is different to a lot of challenges that people complete like for example tom you know there's serious speed going in there and um, but in terms of the the outdoor challenge to it is something that really um that we are so keen to speak to you about um and yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, obviously, glad to, listen, glad to hear that you listened to the, the podcast as well. Um, and we've got you on the call room. Um, but yeah, we wish you all the best in uh, whatever your next challenge is. And um, don't get into the working world too soon. Keep doing this. <laughs> get that triple crown. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It's, uh, it's so cool being on it with obviously some of the legendary guests you've had on. Um, so yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Cool. Next one you do, we'll get you back on again. Of course. Thanks, Toby. Cheers, Toby. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Be up for round two. Definitely. <laughs>